Hi, and welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive. Engage Interactive have been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So today we have a special, it's a podcast special, very, very exciting. We try and do this once or twice a year and people seem to really enjoy it. So what we do is get together with two other Marks, and I'm using the royal we as in us, me and you, the listeners. We get together with the other two Marks, which is Mark Wingett, who is Insights Editor at Propel and many other things, and also Mark Stretton, who is the MD, CEO, Grand Cheese, whatever you want to say, at Fleet Street Communications. And what we do twice a year is look back on the six months that have been and from their special lens and their special angle and their special insight is sit and talk about and dig a bit deeper into what's really going on in the hospitality industry, the highlights, the lowlights, people we should be shouting out to, people we should be grateful for, and just getting a little bit nerdy and a little bit more up close on the hospitality business itself. As usual, it was a great romp through the last six months, a little bit of drinkies as well, and I hope you really enjoy it. We'll hope to do this again at the end of the year. It gives me the most best king guests a host could wish for pleasure ever. It's the other two wise marks. Hey. Evening. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Mark Wingate, Insights Editor at Propel. Mark Stretton, Managing Director of Fleet Street Communications. I'm the one that doesn't sound like I'm from the West Country, hopefully. Right, so what's been going on? So we're we're doing our, do you say biannual for something twice a year? I think so. Or is that every other year? That's what I don't know. Every other two years. Yeah, it's every six month chat about what's going on. And obviously, it's been unprecedented. Um, about what's been going on. So, January, can we even remember what happened in January? I had some notes, but they were very sparse. I can, I can remember talking to a couple of operators where they were sort of saying, yeah, we've we've done some scenario planning and our, our doomsday scenario planning is three months shut. And I was having that conversation probably towards the end of February, just thinking, well, that's that's not going to happen, is it? No. But I think I think the hotels were already seeing stuff in London around the end of end of January, where people from Asia weren't travelling to London, so their their occupancy was dipping. But I think January February time I was still in a bit of denial. I can remember going away in February half term, and um, we got to the other end at the airport, and they were doing temperature checks and making us fill out forms and sort of ahead of, of where we were in the UK is in Morocco and just thinking, ooh, this is this is different. Well I remember the, the Charlie Brooker. Did you watch the news wipe? Yeah. He's yeah. sitting and he's going, Oh, it's in China. Oh well, and he's looks going through his phone and it's like, and now it's in South Korea. That basically is China, isn't it? Flick, flick, flick. 
Now it's in France. I didn't know France was in China. <laughs> you know, and that was just like the, the the total mindset of everyone. I think at the time it won't happen to us. It won't happen to us. It will stay over there. It's an over there thing. All of a sudden, it's in Italy. It's in France. Oh dear. It's in Brighton. Brighton was first up, I think. Yeah, like most. I think. I think it's we we on the fifth of March we had a multi-club event in London. Um, So it was like two hundred and fifty people in a hotel, Um, and we had uh, David McDowell from Brudog on. And you know, it it, funny enough, it was you know the joke, kind of semi-joke of the day was we talked about the B word for the last three or four years, and the day was spent talking about the C word, and even like. Like you say, Stretz, it's it was very much you know what's this going to mean? Are we going to have to you know is trade going to? It wasn't even what we're going to close. It was almost like is trade going to be down a bit? Yeah, you know, we're yeah, already seeing it's the drop to think about now, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it was we were seeing the drop off of people coming into London. I remember talking to the guys at Drake and Morgan, and they'd started to see in some of their especially central London sites, they'd started to see a slight drop off of of, of trade. And uh, it, it was all about oh, what we're going to do. We can maybe close a day, or you know, maybe shorten opening hours. And I think it only became, I suppose, that you know, like it's the 16th of March when um, Boris made his, his announcement. You know, it's it's our view that you know, it's only a bit of advice, but maybe avoid pubs, restaurants. And I think it really, you know, I think that whatever scenario planning was was taking place, whether it was three months, whether it was, you know, we have to close a few sites here and there or hours, it just went overnight. Everyone knew the full scale of what was going to happen. Well, between the fifth and that sixteenth, then I was doing podcasts still like in a studio, and I had Matt from Swingers, Simon from Byron, and that was the first chats I'd had really about, you know, bookings are stopped. A third of my business has been wiped. Oh, this is going to get quite interesting. And London felt edgy at that point. Yeah, the world was definitely starting to change then. I don't think it's still sunk in, but the world was starting to change, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what did we see then from businesses? Who were the, the first out, the, the first cab off the ranks, if you like, in terms of action or inaction or bloopers or, or successes? What, what did you see? I think it was, it was a case of, a lot of it was timing because I think a lot of people who went early to close maybe could have kept on going for a bit to the furlough scheme had been announced there was definitely a feeling that the people who, who probably waited had got better out of the deal of waiting because of the furlough scheme coming through um, yeah. but I think you know it was it was interesting from, from from a journalistic point of view it was you know you sat there going well by end of April what am I going to be writing about yeah you know, you, you, yeah it's like is everything going to stop I can remember having that conversation with you it's like is everything going to stop my recollection of that week or, or 10 days was, yeah, pe- people started to close and, and that announcement from the Prime Minister was horrendous. And then I think the C-Bill scheme came out, you know, the government loans, and that was a huge relief, although people haven't got into the detail and didn't fully appreciate how problematic that scheme was going to be. And then the following week was, a, I think it was the following week, was a really emotional time where People were looking, the, the, the job scheme hadn't been announced and people were looking at large-scale layoffs. We were working with UKH, so we were just trying to get them and also senior members onto TV, onto radio, into newspapers, just trying to talk to the world about what zero revenue or diminished footfall meant for the sector. Mm. And, you know, it was kind of existential crisis, clearly now, but... I think we were just staring into the abyss thinking, oh my God, where where is this going? 
And then from a personal perspective, I can remember having a lunch near our office on the Wednesday before the Friday of the JRS scheme and when the shutdown was announced. And it, London had a kind of feel of this is the last supper sort of thing. And there were people out having meals, recognising that the world was changing and everyone was starting to work from home. And then on the Friday when, when the, the JRS scheme was announced, I was actually in my local in the Turks, which is a Fuller's pub in Twickenham, just around the corner from me. And I was on my laptop. It was five o'clock at night. that They'd started doing those data conferences. And you know something big's happening where everyone in a pub is watching the news. Right. You know, the sound was up. Everyone had stopped talking and everyone was just watching what the chancellor was saying. Makes the hair stand up, up on the back of my neck thinking about it, actually. But um, I remember when Obama got sworn in as president, it was one of those moments. And I'm sure we can think of many others. But yeah, it, it, that kind of felt like the last pint as well. But I can also remember the massive relief when the JRS scheme was announced. <clears throat> and, and I think a lot of companies had already laid some people off and were looking at 80 percent plus layoffs for their team and it was just absolute devastation so that lifeline that was kind of the first part i remember there was uh, two senior leaders i suppose that stepped up so you had jonathan downey quickly setting up this whatsapp network um which was quite incredible i think he ended up filling 10 whatsapp groups which would make it two and a half three thousand folk um, of senior people all talking to each other, um, which I think was, he didn't have to. You know, he could just have sat back and, you know, done his own thing or just championed himself. So I think he went really above and beyond. And then obviously Kate Nichols and, and obviously the whole team, um, as, as Kate always reminds me. But, you know, I think Kate, you know, deserving some kind of gong, you know, until, and I spoke to her day and I says, I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know how the energy's keeping going, I don't know, because it's relentless. And she's getting support, but also flack yeah. from people that hopefully should all be trying to support her, you know? So that must be really difficult to not spin out. And the amazing thing is, between all that, she's still got time to tweet me to say the Beatles aren't very good. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it's just like an incredible human being. But I think the two of them stepped up really early. Um, I think Peter Borsneil stepped up really early as well. Really amazing from a PR perspective for him. You know, he seemed to be the first one that had a plan, you know, that was that had manifested itself in, here's prospect screens, here's what we're doing here, here's what... But just before that, though, did you see him in evening standard with his family, though? Will they all get dressed up? Oh, yeah, they've been having fancy dress uh, dinner parties every night. Evening standard? Yeah, it was very cool. Um, so, you know, he did that. There was a book from uh, Pub Hub, Hub uh, from Hamish and Peach, yeah. uh, you know, which I thought yeah. was great. Yeah, I think there were a lot of people that stepped up and sometimes in, in the past it's been quite difficult to get our leaders to, to go on TV and to go on radio and actually had a whole load of people like Tim at Yummy. It's amazing. But people like Will Hawksmoor, um, sorry, Will Beckett from Hawksmoor, Simon Emony from Fuller's. Yeah. I'm sure we could all re reel them off, but people just, you know, on the 10 o'clock news yeah. and, and a, a spotlight on hospitality, which we've never seen the like of before. I think going on to that is, I said to someone today, when hospitality usually got mentioned in the House of Commons, 
if there was a mini budget or a budget, it used to be around beer duty. You know, it'd be like a minute or 30 seconds and might get a mention in the red tops the next day in terms of, you know, beer duty's gone up, beer duty's gone down. Hospitality out of all this, you know, we talk about silver linings of things, but to have hospitality spoken about regularly, either daily, weekly, high on the agenda, you know, and the, and the, and the fact that that figure, three million jobs is now out there and is continually spoken about, whether it's Rishi Sunak, whether it's Boris Johnson or anybody in the government or even in, in Labour Party or in, in the opposition. It's just an amazing achievement. You know, I, you know, obviously it's come from a horrible place, you know, and, and the, um, you know, we've had to go, like Mark says, staring into the abyss and there's more, more challenges to come. It's really put it front and centre, not just, you know, the government's mind, but the public's mind. You know, it's like classic, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And I think that's, yeah. that's been born out over the last few months. So what that, did... that thing was undeliverable. That was completely politically undeliverable 12 months ago. And I think, I think there were some people still in the sector that were kind of wedded to it. You know, we need to keep campaigning for a VAT cut. But a lot of people were saying, look, just forget it, guys. It's never going to happen. And like you say, Mark, obviously, turn of events none of us would wish for. But, you know, for it to come around just shows you the scale of the, of the issue. Well, I, I think, you know, it's just testament to everyone. And I'm sure we've missed loads of people, you know, Charlie Bay and all sorts as well. But, you know, without them, it wouldn't have gone the agenda. And if you look, it was one of those really annoying cases that those who shout the loudest will get heard or, or get the most. And he did a great job at shouting the loudest. And if you look at the gym, you know, side of things, you look at anything else, you look at the schools, you look at, I think... Our guys, I suppose if we put it into teams, it's not like that, but they, they, they won, really. They shouted at us and got heard and got noticed. And that if they hadn't have done that, it, you know, it wasn't a coincidence. They didn't just magically happen. It's not because Rishi likes Hernandos, which he does. But It's interesting you say that, like people who, who were out there, but also people who are doing stuff, you know, like Feed NHS, um, that yeah. kicked off at the time. And, you know, people like Brandon Stevens, Neil yeah. Silver at Toss, Paul Hopper at Hop. John Vincent, and I think you know we'll talk about companies that stayed open, and 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 we've already mentioned unprecedented. Let's mention pivot. Is the other word that everyone seems pivot. to love. Gotta have a pivot from Supersonic Inc. This is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bars business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors, and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top. And please say that I sent you. If you look at Leon, people doing groceries, staying open, going out there, going above yeah. and beyond. 
brands that will come out of this, I think, like Brewdog, and you know, a very more mighty brand for people in, in the industry. I think you know, look at Dave McDowell, who's I think he's fantastic on on Twitter. Like people who turn to David on Twitter and go, "I really didn't like you, your brand before this Brewdog." But you've just done exceptionally well, and every every step of the way, and every move you've made, one hundred percent. Do you know who actually said that? Paul Pavley. It was Paul. It was Pavley. Yeah. He, he, he just it was like I don't know. It was just like a big announcement. You know, you get these announcements like I'm leaving Twitter for a week. You know, because of that. You know, and he just he didn't have to say it, but he obviously felt compelled to be such a nice man that he is. Um, mm. And David was perfectly nice about it and just said oh well you know like I'm, I'm glad you feel that way now but I, I think they they just played it beautifully and I, I think what's sweet about it is it didn't come from a contrived or calculated place it wasn't sitting looking at brand perception scores and sitting well, what could we it was just what can we do what could we and I've been doing a wee bit of work with them lately and it's, it's been really ace and, and they said like they were talking about what kind of brand do we want to be not what kind of brand that we are. And, they, you know, after they go over the initial panic, which I think David says, you know, lasted a couple of days, they allowed themselves a couple of days to panic. Um, and then it was like, what are we going to do? And from there on, it was just, you know, hand sanitizer. But if you go through that, some really cool things. So hand sanitizer, I think they sort of announced it without it even really being real. Yeah. And then someone had to look up Google and try and figure out, you know, how to do it. Um, I mean, it wasn't as bad as that, but, you know, we, we had a bit of a laugh about it. But then they get in for some flack, right? Because they, they put the hand sanitizer bottles up that looked quite designed with Brewdog on, and you got quite a swathe of people going, why'd you have to have it so branded and all the rest of it? Now, you can take it like that. What's interesting is one of the greatest brands in the world, Louis Vuitton, also did hand sanitizer at the same time. And their bottles were just big stickers with like black type on of just the ingredients. I think it maybe said produced by LVMH down the bottom. But you know, it was quite interesting that they obviously clocked that in their head, not yeah. to make it too glorious or too bad yeah. or anything. Um, and then, yeah. And then they did drive throughs, didn't they? I, mean, I have to say, I'm a complete convert. And um, Mark McSee, I can remember you saying, a while ago, talking up Brewdog and saying how, yes, they make mistakes, but, you know, they also do a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think all the way through this, what I really like is they had the clarity of thought early on to just think, right, how can we, I was talking to David about uh, the bars and saying, how can we reopen our bars better than we close them? Or how can we be better when we reopen? And, um, you know, I think they've done a, a load of good stuff and also including some old school knockabout fun with the with the Barnard Castle stuff yeah. and Dominic coming, which was which was just great. But I think to your point, they've they've earned a, a load of admirers with the way they've handled themselves. And I think they've also emerged as a bit of a leadership company, yeah. which you wouldn't have said not so long ago. But they are, you know, the way they've done their video, which followed on from Tesco doing the here's what you can expect when you come to Tesco post COVID. They, done, they did the same with their bars. You know, here's a video of how we're going to be keeping you safe. You know, 10 ways we're, we're changing what we're doing. And uh, they just seem to have been on the front foot all the way. Well, I think that point about, and also the sharing, you know, this is what we've learned from our international bars. This is what we've learned and what we're going to do. I think it's just stuff like that. It's little things like that that have really put them front and centre. Shireen at Leon said the same thing. You know, we, we owe it as, a, as an industry, if we're learning stuff, to share. 
we're going to be the you know the pathfinders in this and we're going to go out there and reopen and not everyone agreed with people reopening not everyone agreed being out there because it was all very much like you're reopening we might not get this from the government and you know but people have different reasons for reopening and stuff but you know we'll go out there we'll share what works and what doesn't work and i think you know i could argue at the moment the industry seems a bit like that coming together might be starting to splinter again but you know, for the for the three months where you know it had come together, I think it was fantastic. And I think you know, going back to the point about people behind the scenes, you know, not to blow smoke up Mark Mark S's backside, but you know, he, you know, I, I interviewed five people at the start. You know, it was Jonathan, it was Kate, it was Brandon Stevens, it was Charlie and Mark. About you know those those first two or three weeks when it was flying by the seat of your pants and not knowing. You know, we can look back now and say seabills didn't work or that didn't work and furlough schemes got holes in it. But at the time, it was all. We didn't know what was coming next. We didn't know what we could fight for. We didn't know what the government were going to give us, if anything. And I thought it those was, three, weeks, three weeks were, you look back on them like foundations of whatever happened now, scrambling around the what was what was settled, what was what were the foundations. Jonathan setting up his WhatsApp groups and stuff like that. You will look back yeah. on that now, and if, if that hadn't happened, it would have been nowhere. That Those two or three weeks were kind of a petrifying and weirdly exhilarating time. Exactly the one um, that was going to use, so it was completely exhilarating. Yeah, and it was really strange. And actually, in a funny way, and in a sort of a really unconnected way, it reminded me um, of when I was working in national newspapers reporting on 9 11. Yeah. And that kind of sense that this is history in front of us yeah. and the world is changing and we don't know what's going to happen next. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really strange time. And so, not to talk about Brute Dog all night, because we, we could, by the way. Um, one great thing I was going to say, um, I, I did the Brute Dog Now app, where you get fresh draft beer in a can, and then they send it to you. Um, and anyway, just a couple of things about it. One is, I put up on Twitter, because Jet Black Heart's just one of the best beers in the world, and I put it up on Twitter, and just out of kindness, in the middle of them doing all this stuff, James Brown sent me some uh, that was really hard to get your hands on. David McDill couldn't get his hands on Jet Blackheart, so he sent me the American like limited edition version, which is even better, right? And then on top of that, when I did the Brewdog Now stuff, they mucked up a couple of the orders, right? It, didn't really matter. it wasn't a big deal. I was just telling them so that they knew it wasn't a, it wasn't a bother. Anyway, to make up for it, sent me like books and extra cans, chucked in 10% Coco Psycho thing. It just was like, that's custom. You know, they are not on their knees, but, you know, things are down. But they're still going the extra mile. And another story, though, about yummy pubs. So, you know, Tim and, and all the yummy pubs, but Tim especially just needs some sort of celebrating because he self-isolated with a chef for the first two weeks. Nothing sexy going on, I don't think. Um, but that we know of. <laughs> don't, forget, don't forget the gnome. Yeah, he's a nice bloke, Jeff. So I think, uh, so basically, he, 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 you know, so I was in with him, away from his family. So anyway, he's doing all these amazing videos, very um, inspirational for people watching his story, doing the right thing, documenting everything. The social media was amazing, all that stuff. Anyway, he knocks on my front door the other week, right? So I thought it was an Amazon package, because basically that's how I'm living. Knocks the door, and I just shouted out the window, thanks, mate, just leave it there. I thought it was Amazon. He goes, no, no, it's a beer delivery for Mr. McCulloch. So I went down. Anyway, he's got two crates of beer for me. And it's because he was going to buy fish near me. And he goes, I couldn't be there and not come and say hello. And it was sort of the first human 
apart from my family that I'd really seen. And it was a scorching hot day, lovely, lovely. Anyway, do you know what he did? And you know, we never tell folk this really, but he, he, I think they were catering for birthday parties as part of their offer. Anyway, it was somebody's 80th, and they had a few menus. They had the bottom one, the top one, and a few in between. And this family was for an 80th, right? Were taking the bottom menu. So someone in the household was 80. And they did the top menu. So it went from sausage rolls to beef wellington. And he just chucked it all. And I think he chucked a bottle of champagne and a great wine. And you just Love I that. cried. I could just, I yeah, could yeah. just thought, you are the loveliest man. His videos were brilliant. I always say to people, I think it's video 14 or day 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was it's one that gets you every time if you watch that yeah. one, which is, yeah. uh, which is fantastic. Well, so many people need to be celebrated. And then, are there people not to be celebrated? Oh, I don't think so. Landlords. Well, there's there's definitely a few landlords that cannot be celebrated. Landlords, landlords and insurance firms, I think, are probably the two. What about um, people that just dropped their staff too quick? And I'm, I'm thinking outside of our sector a bit in terms of, you know, more premium restaurants and things like that. You know, there was a lot of big names that just got shot. I think the obvious, the, the obvious one in the sector, which I might as well mention, that got a lot of press at the time was was Tim at, at Weatherspoons. I think you know, and the the video that that was put out about you know, what it was said, and it, obviously they rode back on it quite quickly. But uh, I'm working with UKH. I think they rode back on it quite quickly. Yeah, I think that Tim thing. What what I heard was that there there was a big discussion around the board around that, and Tim kind of railroaded things and nine times out of ten that's worked through the history of Weatherspoon. Yeah, yeah. I said, no, this is what we're going to do. And um, I think he just got that one wrong and completely wrong. It came from a, not an illogical place, but just got a load, a load of flack for it and obviously they had to quickly way back. It was sort of practical advice, but just badly... Badly said. Badly yeah. put across, I think. Mm. Um, but, I mean, but he's an easy target anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, totally. And then, what about uh, Dushume as well as part of that Leon feed the NHS bit as well? I think they did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, have we spent enough time talking about that and, and talking them up? Because I thought that was just a brilliant effort led by Brandon and Brandon Stevens and John Vincent, yeah. and it was just such a nice thing to see all those great brands coming together to deliver, you know, food into the in, into the NHS. To be, to be fair, I think everyone who stayed open on the delivery and the 50% off on NHS, you know, I think it was also a case of now that our sector was kind of being pushed into the limelight. I think talking to Brandon, it was very much a case of, well, we have to be seen to be, you know, if we're going to be giving this support, we need to be accepting it by showing ourselves to be in a good light. But I think that was the case. We can't just sit back and go, thanks for all this support. And, you know, we need to keep putting stuff back in. What I love was some of the individual pubs. Uh, there was a pub um, that is part of EI Group that we were working with just to help them shout about what they were doing. And they were based near King's College Hospital in Lambeth in South London. And the guy that ran the pub there was just cooking 60 meals a day, putting them in boxes and taking them into the hospital for the nurses and the doctors. And he was doing that every day for free. And on, I think on the sixth or seventh day, everyone stopped what they're doing and just gave him a standing ovation as he walked in. Yeah. Wait, was and there a video of that? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I may have seen that, actually. I think it's called Tia Maria Bar, Bar and Restaurant, and they're just around the back of Waterloo Station, basically. But yeah, and you, just, you just saw stuff like that and thought, oh my God, that's incredible. But there, there was that stuff going on across the, across the country. 
But you had people like, you know, Luke Johnson, Gail's backer, chairman, you know, delivering Gail's products at the back of his car to hospitals. Yeah. You know, it was all, everyone was chipping in. Yeah, yeah. And, and also Richard Kering, uh, that, that I, I don't mean this in a bad way, it just was slightly later than some people were doing stuff, but it came out so well done, so well considered. And then look at the totals. I think they, they delivered like a million, one one point one million meals. I mean, how's that? It's just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. So I think they handled that really well too. I think they were excellent on that. And then yeah. anything then else in March do we think that kind of happened? Of note, or are they all merging into one? <laughs> I think I think March 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 was pretty much, you know, scenario planning went through the roof. Mother's Day, did we have a nice Mother's Day if we remember? Oh god, yeah, that was that was really that was a day after the day after, wasn't it? Yeah. I think that was the that was the thing that people talk about being really difficult because they were all set up, the sun was shining. I mean yeah. that, that, that's the other thing to talk about, the unprecedented length of weather that we had. I remember very early doors, one of the videos we were doing, videoing Simon Emily, another person who's been a brilliant spokesman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and videoing him and um, looking, looking out the window and going, look, Mark, you know, look at the weather. Our, our beer gardens would have been full, you know. And you look at this, the Euros this year. I mean, it's that that 10 weeks, I think it was, 11 weeks of just sunshine. So it, felt, it felt continual. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was a couple of days of rain in there. but Yeah, and what's going on? It's bloody horrendous. But Simon Emini, uh, he, he, he did something great, right? He... Um, well, she's done many things great, but something I really noticed was he wrote a slightly, well, just, just a really sharp letter which said something like, we've paid you, landlords. No, he said that in a video which we had on Propel. Letter. No, no, no. He said it in a video. Uh, all right, I'm, well, sure, I'm sure it's been written since, but yeah. But yeah world, world exclusive. I wrote the story, and I, then uh, Jonathan Downey took it and ran with it there you go I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant and just very polite but assertive and really tugs on your you know your, your sort of inner goodness to go i fear enough and that, and that what was he what was he saying it was we've had 25 year relationship on a lease we've paid 100 quarters of rent yeah and now we're asking you just for one quarter yeah possibly yeah. two possibly two yeah and i mean it could even have went bigger if he wanted to I suppose and said We've been going since eighteen is eighteen forty five. There was maybe there, but I just and, and in fact I was podcasting with Jonathan Swain, the, the ex MD team. We were, we were talking about that. Um, I thought same. I thought that was a brilliant piece of just business. You know, just yeah. very sharp and, and and astute. And you know what's going to happen anyway. You know, a lot of the landlords what they're going to tough you out and what someone a new restaurant's going to open. Hopefully. They're in denial, aren't they? I think, or well, they're just being belligerent. I think. I think um, Jonathan did it as well, didn't he? With Milk and Honey in Poland Street, just highlighting, you know, how long he's had that business for. In fact, he paid. paid or something crazy. It was something. I think it was like three point nine or four or, or million or something over. Yeah, over the. It must be almost twenty years, I think. Yeah, and, it, him, and him making exactly the same point. We just want a quarter or possibly six months of, you know, grace. Unfortunately. The whole rent property, it's such a nuanced, it's not one rule for one and one rule for the other. And it's not all big institutional landlords. It's mum and pop landlords. It's people who, that's their only income, is the shop they rent out to someone. 
Um, I think, you know, there's negotiations going on. You talk to everyone, they're now getting advisors in to help with negotiations. And there's impasses, there's movement for some people, there's movement for not people. The problem we've got now is the water's being muddied because more support's come into the sector. You know, people are reopening. The landlords who are already stuck in their ways are probably going, hey, look, it's all over the press. You're getting this huge support. You're open again. You've yeah. got some cash flow coming in. Yeah. yeah. You know, they see it as very black and white, which is, you know, which is the problem. And how did you guys see it from clients in terms of them sticking with you or them paying money or, you know, because I guess we're, you know, being selfish for a second, we're suppliers to the industry. So we're even further down than the operator. For us, it was, um, it was a little bit scary. So very quickly, we had seven or eight clients say, I'm really sorry, we've got no income, we've got no revenue, we're going to have to pause things. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we had the same, more than the same number keep going, and they were either big enough to be able to handle it or they had a real need to, to keep communicating. Um, so we, prob- we ended up with about a third of our team furloughed and about two-thirds working, and it's, that's the way it's remained. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was pretty terrifying. I think, um, and we also had a situation where some of our clients, like the big drinks groups were supplying both grocery retail and leisure and hospitality. So they're in this really weird place where half of their business is absolutely flying and on fire, but also brand messages are completely lost in that environment or as it was. And then the other half, which is completely shut down. And so they were sort of saying to us, what should we be saying? What should we be doing? And I think our focus at the time was just just try and help. Yeah, yeah. Just try and do what you can to help. And if, if there's a good message that comes out the back of that, great, but it can't be the driver. Just 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 be there, support. And I think most people you know, picked that up and ran with it. And whether it was supplying you know, slabs of beer to the NHS or providing meals to people, like we've talked about. But it was, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit yeah. of a scary time. Just to say thank you to um, Asahi UK as well for um, supplying the drinks for this evening as well. About a post, post that are cool. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Shoma. Yeah, thank, thank you, man. Great. I think, I think on a on a talking on a purely propel point, you know, like I said, it was like what we're going to write about. But you know, you could see some people poured advertising down the side of the newsletter. And there was, I'm sure, I can't really talk for Paul who who, who that's owned. Where that, that's where that newsletters get longer. Well, it's it's interesting. It kind of like you, know, you kind of look at it when you think a couple of about months or six weeks when everything kind of pulled back. How I look, and all of a sudden it's um, you know people come into the vacuum, isn't it? You know, all the order apps have come out. You know, you look at the. You know, Is there any order and payment app not advertising on Propel? Probably not. It's probably more tomorrow well, morning. But they won't be very busy. I mean, I, I think in, in fairness to Paul and that, you know, and I've been working closer with them over the years. Propel's where it's at. I mean, all eyes are on Propel every day. And, you know, I've, I've been building B2B playbooks for people and, and, and things, because there's a lot of hospitality suppliers wanting to get any hospitality, for example. And Where else is there? I mean, they're sort of first with the news. I think everyone's stepped up to the plate. I don't think, you know, not just Propel, I think the whole industry has stepped up and tried to find new avenues to do. We've been quite lucky. The video's... We do every morning, me and Anne do every morning, have been, have been really well, well, um, great feedback on them. Um, They've been really good, really yeah. good. And, and that's the other thing as well. Everyone's been up for talking about it, like the list of people you've had on there. But I think to, to Mark McSee's point, you know, Propel 
it is and you've broken 20,000 subscribers through this period and um we have to be 2,000 so it's gone backwards so that's great <laughs> it's, it's what it's how much what they had 22 before I joined, 22,000, and now it's gone back under 20. Oh, we so, jest. From your writing's walking. But I think, um, I, I think I, I, honestly, I think it's been great. And, and you know, I've been tuned in every single day. And then the clients that I've had is pretty much first in my media plan. That I'm That's like, very, very, very kind of you to say. I, I need to get commissioned, right? I need to talk to Yeah, them. absolutely. I love it too. And it's the first on my list. Wait, wait. I'm, I'm not seeing the other ones. I'm getting, I think it's just, because it's accessible for free, I think it's you know there's a barrier with some of the others that you've got to have that subscription, and I get that. But it's becoming the killer app, isn't it, of of that space? Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, it's it, the traction we get. What we find with our own clients is the feedback they get and the engagement they get off the back of something appearing in Propel is noticeably different and higher to to other stuff. So. Well, I, I, know if I, make, I know if I make a mistake in the story, a lot of people now phone me up and tell me about it. Yeah, definitely. That's always happened to you anyway. Yeah, you, you must get a lot of calls. I remember. I inundated. I've hardly had time to write, to be honest. Hi, Alex from Engage here. And thanks for tuning in to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Each week, we'll be bringing you a great tip to supercharge your own digital marketing. And this week's comes from Shri, our head of SEO, who gives his expert insight into making use of structured data. Structured data, also known as rich snippets, is a way to provide your website's code to Google in a format that it can understand. This helps Google display the information in a more user-friendly way, above and beyond the standard search result. For local businesses and the hospitality industry, the structured data that will be most useful will be logo, local business information, and events. To implement this, you will need your developer's help, but the good news is that once it's set up, it will hardly need any ongoing updates at all. We've seen the events market perform particularly well at driving organic search traffic. For more information on this, simply search for the phrase Google Search Gallery. If you need help getting your brand more visible online and the edge on your competition, simply head over to engageinteractive.co.uk forward slash podcast, where you can see how we've helped some of the UK's most ambitious and successful hospitality brands with their own high-performance digital marketing strategies. Cheers, and enjoy the rest of the episode. But basically, going back then, industry stuff. So coming away from COVID a wee bit, business stuff, what's been going on? So we've had David exiting Bills, um, and, and we've got a new look Bills as well. It would be interesting to talk about. Um, you know, obviously, we've got restructures going on, you know, and Caluccios, et cetera. I never know what administration means. I'm just a bit thick. It, and it, it, does it mean it's completely doomed or someone can just buy it and run with it pretty much? Um, well, I'll, I'll have a go and then Mark can tell you the proper answer. But it's, it's basically a restructuring recovery um, tool, hopefully. But it's essentially coming in and the administrator is responsible for looking after the interests of the creditor. Yeah. Um, and it's... Um, God, you are going to have to help me out, Mark. It's not liquidation. It's basically... This business needs to be. When you see it, your takeaway as a as a layperson is I'm trying to speak for Joe Public here or Joanna Public, and and go, you know that that the writing's on the wall, it's over. But I don't. I'm just trying to. The reality is, it's become a bit of a catch-all for a few different things. Yeah. So, and you, the headlines are always, you know, collapses into administration and the total number of jobs 
at risk. And the, I think with a lot of these that we're seeing, the reality is that there's a go forward business in there. And there's also, you know, some of the uh, portfolio of restaurants or bars or pubs, whatever it is, don't have a future. And that could be based on their current trading level, or it could be based on their current rent agreement. Normally, it's a combination of the two, yeah. obviously. So we're gonna. I think. I think we're gonna see much smaller businesses emerging via administration. So who are we seeing then? We've got Calitios, Byron, CDG, TRG. I think. I think Mark. The, the the point is is no one's not gonna not take a shave in these circumstances. And you know, like Mark says, you know, it could be sometimes seen, as, as you said, this it could be seen as a black mark. And I don't think if you're any com- company in this situation, it's not a black mark. If you you know are restructuring at the moment, I think. I always always use this thing. It's like if you're a weak company, and, they, and they, look, let's be honest, there was there was companies that were weak coming into this year anyway. No matter what would have happened, there was companies that restructured before that hadn't really moved the dial on. Who were yeah. going to be in trouble? And actually, if you're a strong company and you're going to put all the effort to get to the other side of this, and then turn and find a competitor who's got better rental agreements, to you because they've been through a restructure, they've got rid of troublesome sites because they've been through a restructure. Well, if you're a good company, you're going to go. I want some of that, and I'm going to restructure. And no one's going to see it as black mark. You know, Chapter 11 in America is seen as a device. And I think pre-packs and administrations and CBAs are seen as device. And it's not a black mark at the moment. It's just the last lever to pull. Well, it's just kind of, yeah, in a sort of crass way, there's zero PR blowback from, from doing a restructuring at the moment. And I was chatting to someone senior yesterday who was saying, you're at a competitive disadvantage if you don't do it. <laughs> and I was also chatting to an MD We'd spoken to one of the big professional services firms and they told him that they alone were looking at 500 company restructurings across all the industries and they weren't even a big four, one of the big four. You know, we we will come out of this, again, this like catalyst. There's been an oversupply of the restaurant market. We all know it. There's been too many restaurants and this will be, we will come back meaner and leaner and the consumer will come back meaner and leaner. And it's, and I think that's what we're seeing. You know, we'll see. CDG have already said they're probably going to come out of this 160 sites, no matter how, who buys what, and if it comes out as one company. You know, you've got the restaurant group have probably done well, in three months, which will probably have taken three years. I think Andy Hornby was very honest on the on the call I had with him in the video. You know, he had a three year strategy to cut down the leisure division to get out of sites. They've done it in three months. Yeah, and I think going into it, as Mark says, that there was probably everyone was carrying sites and then i think a lot of companies having to look at their business and go okay well what sites can work over the next six to 12 months at 60 or 70 percent average volume or what are the ones that are worth keeping even though they're going to cost us money in that time i think that's a good way to look at it and there's quite a few brands out there and it's not because they get beat five nil yesterday they've been a bit shit for three seasons right that's why they're going to go down. So that, that was yeah. that was my point. There was there was brands that had already restructured that hadn't moved the dial on since they got restructured. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to name them. They're they're now going through restructurings again, and you know, it, it's you know, there there will be strong. My problem is, I think what this will do, there'll be strong brands, especially young, strong brands who are going to be the next generation to to mould this industry. We might lose some of them, which will be horrible. And I think hopefully. People like Luke Johnson will put money in, or in Bieber. These guys who are, you know, know the sector really well. They're not vulture funds. They know the sector, and they will go look. We'll put some money in to help you get through the other side. Um, yeah, and I think there's a there's a real danger that the narrative becomes 
yeah, there's going to be a thinning of the herd. The strongest will survive, and you know the industry will be in, in, can can emerge okay from it. Yeah. I think there's a real danger that there are some really great businesses that can't can't get through the next twelve months. Well, that that's the thing because you're probably going to need to have a runway of about eighteen months, aren't you? To yeah. Get- I, I talked yeah. to someone. I mean, you, Mark, you, like you say, you know, people like when this started, it was like we'll be fine by September. September will be back to normal. You know, had I think Patrick Darlis, who's actually been very sensible what he's doing with Young, so it was like we'll open some in October because we think pubs will be back to normal then. Yeah. Then you talk to people, it's like Q2. I talked to someone today, next year. I talked to someone today, and they were like Q4. We'll be back to full um, full year 2019 levels. Q4 2020, and then we'll be get um, 2021. Sorry. And we'll be getting back on the expansion trail in 2022. And that's the 18-month runway, isn't it? If we start talking yeah. about Q4 2021, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So it, also, there was a trend about at home. There was a lot of people doing that. I've pretty much had a disaster with every at home I've done for various reasons. Biggest reason, badly packaged. So what you had was ice bags melted by the time they got to Brighton. And they were split, and there's a pork terrine in there, or there's a steak in there, or there's oysters, or whatever it is. So, what did you see with all that? I mean, I was I was pleased because I've always said, well, always said, but for a while, if you operate a restaurant within four walls, you're very myopic, right? You need to have more than one grapple hook on the mountain, as we're seeing. What are you thinking about all that stuff? Is that going to stay? Has it been good? Have you had any? What's been going on? I think um, you're absolutely right. I think if you you have to keep your brand in front of people. So it's definitely been the time for the cocktail kit. And I know um, Inception Group with Mr. Foggs did something with Tanqueray and per- absolutely perfect. On the food kits, I know Pizza Pilgrims have absolutely smashed it out of the park. That was a chill, that was a chill bag incident. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sorry then, about that. In the wee one screwed up one of the doors so yeah they're absolutely that was my fault <laughs> but yeah um, we, we we've been helping out a business called great food to you um yes and, and, i just ordered bleaker oh brilliant well uh, that's the funny thing everything everyone is ordering bleaker that's and true. everyone that we're asking if they would like to have a go for free on them they're all saying can we please have bleaker yeah yeah so oh, um yeah, we're just, help, just helping them out. I mean, it's a fledgling business, so it's kind of, we're just, just giving them a bit of a hand. We've got a good chicken brand on there, right? Yeah, it's not um, Mother Clucker. I don't oh, think. Mother Clucker. Maybe it is. Is, it, is it Mother Clucker? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Really funny. She was on BBC Breakfast this morning, and uh, the, the presenter couldn't bring himself to say Mother Clucker at 8am in the morning on national TV. Oh, and he said he did a classic BBC thing where it was something like the well-known uh, chicken shack operator in London. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she was a real character, actually. Um, she was she was talking on um, BBC Breakfast about in reaction to what the Chancellor had come out with yesterday. And uh, I just thought, man giving up your time, going on national TV, and you don't even get a brand a brand name check on for your troubles. Well, that's annoying, isn't it? But I think to your point about the branded piece and getting into people's homes, you, ha- you have to do it. And I think some operators have been looking at it thinking, am I going to cannibalise my sales or, or are people going to prefer this to, to being in my restaurant? I think you have to think 
that's just it's not really the case. You, you're just you're just being relevant to what what people are, are doing right now. And I think for the drinks brands, that's been really interesting. And I think a lot of them are, are trying to look at e-com and saying, okay, well, how do we get someone on Instagram to go directly to order some drink to their home? You know, what does that journey look like? And, and how do we engage them in our brand in that way? So it's been... How, how many first paints do you think will get us? How many do I think? I, I don't know. Piece. I mean, I think Guinness is one of those amazing brands that, Lots of people still love and, and drink. But you can't replicate it at home, right? I mean, yeah. certainly, I know yeah. you can't replicate a pint. And Jonathan and I on this podcast today were talking about you can't replicate London Pride from a fuller's pub. Totally, right? But Guinness is just that extra... Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the really interesting things of the lockdown is how much people love draft beer generally and how much people have been talking about missing draft beer to the point where you know even a lager a standard category lager on draft people are absolutely um cherishing in a way that was unthinkable even on tuesday right we're in this pub and i'm on the my first plate was heineken actually and i went to a crafty crafty pub and it was you know Earl gray infused wax candle wax idea or whatever but i'd sitting in i was like and there's two women, uh, and they're having a bottle of wine, and it's fine. You do, you do what you want to. You do you, whatever. Right? But I was just like, can I do the house? Like you could have got that exact bottle of wine. Just had it. I don't know. There's just some. I mean, I'm being very male and horrible. About Would it, you like a lager? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like. And you know, I seen a piece of research a long time ago, and and it said why people go out and. Of course, it's the experience and all that, but they go out because they get a product or something. Yeah, can't replicate at home. You just can't, and I think that's potentially the problem with some of these cooking at home kits. You know, and um, is I don't really know if I want to cook bone marrow. But but Mark, you go back to go back to you go back to Strett's, Strett's point about staying front of mind. But it's also, and I hate to say this, it's also de-risking or future-proofing your business going forward. Yeah. Because who's to say we're going to have another pandemic in? Oh, no. So if you, I mean, the other one we haven't mentioned, our coat at home, yeah, it's, it's exceptional. And know. you know, you you can yeah, say that. to people, this sorry, what do you get in that? It's like ready meals, coat ready meals. It's a meal, it's a meal kit basically. Meal kit yeah. and menus. It's 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 fantastic. You know, and you you say it's to not people, dead easy. Sorry, not a meal kit. It's kind of like yeah, like you say, ready meals. It's just you just put it in the oven and go. It's, it, and it's really good quality. It is really good quality, and but also if you're if you're if you're let's say an investor, and you're now looking at businesses in this sector, at the moment you won't want to buy anything in central London, and anything you won't want to buy something that's only just got one trick. It's a one trick pony yeah. kind of thing. So if you look at something like Pizza Program, they've got this other arm to their arm to their um, operation, or Coat at Home has got this operation. Yeah. You're almost thinking, look, it's not gonna it's not gonna make up for everybody coming to our restaurant. But if things do go south again, we've got this to fall back on. Well, there's quite a few companies now that have emerged. Like, is it great food to you? Did you say market? Yeah, great food to you, and it's almost like it's like phones to you, number two and you. <laughs> um, well, I've, I've had a few uh, calls from different people who they're doing that too. Uh, great food to you is the first one I've seen actually out in market. But there's a few yeah. restaurant suppliers that are turning their mind to actually being suppliers of. But then the thing you need to get over is you're having to give your recipes to a third party. 
yeah that's it and it's not like the food's coming from your kitchen it's like we'll we'll do it for you you work with us we'll help help get this to the quality that you're happy with and, and we'll you know fulfill all the orders so yeah it's it's um you know it's something that everyone's having to get their heads around but also on that on that point it's also you're looking at brands going into delivery kitchens now taking away the bricks and mortar you know shake shack have just done two yeah right Oh yeah, a Shake Shack in the pub. We actually got it delivered to the pub. We were all wrecked. So we got it delivered. <laughs> and they're not doing any shakes. I was going to say shacks. They're not doing any shakes. Shake Shack must be a great hit when you've had a few beers. Oh, yeah. pickle cut chips, man. <laughs> Without wanting to change the subject, you know, on these on these meal kits and pizza pilgrims, just thinking about pizza pilgrims, did anyone see that Boris and Rishi were oh, in amazing. their restaurant? And, and apparently Tom, Tom Elliott, one of the founders of Pizza Pilgrims, has been having chats with Boris. And that's how it came about. And Boris Johnson has been taking it upon himself to talk to various industries through talking to company leaders. And Tom was one of the ones that he spoke to in, in our sector, just to get kind of under the skin of what was happening and the issues. They're, they're a great laugh. I mean, I did a podcast with him a long time ago. We got rinsed. I mean, like that was <laughs> six pints or something. And we went to an office. They were looking at office space locally, and they're just blaggers. Like they're so charmingly lovely that they just black stuff. When he got, I think a, that's part of their style, though, isn't it? I think there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And um, what they did was they got a viewing appointment in this quite nice office in Covent Garden, and we then did it. And there, but we were far too long. We were way over our viewing appointment, and then more people come in to view the office, and we were doing, we were doing, the, and they're a bit like, sorry, I think we're going to take this office space, and we were like, oh, just give us two minutes, mate, will you? Thanks, line about, you know, like, terrible. but kind of once in a generation coverage where they're in every national newspaper. That's mental. From Supersonic Inc. This is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Supersonic Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by Atenzi, the world's leading gamified simulation training provider. Even before the COVID-19 crisis, a LinkedIn study found that more than half of learning and development professionals were looking at remote learning solutions. Given hospitality's new reality, how do you plan to train your staff to accelerate your business out of these tough times? With Atenzi's gamified simulation training, you can accurately recreate the situations and environments that your people will face day in, day out to engage and rapidly develop their abilities. Forget static e-learning, dusty training manuals and passive videos and embrace training's new era with Atenzi. Find more information and get started today at attenzi.com forward slash restaurants. So um, what else has been going on then? So we've had the, the, the X at home. Going to give a shout out to the auction for Hospitality Action, like Libby and Hugh at Hawksmoor, like 200 grand. Amazing. More? Yeah. Come Extraordinary. On. That was superb. Um, so well done to them. Project Pint. How did that go? What happened there? Well, I think, Charlie? I think we, yeah, there's a Charlie McVeigh's um, plan to get people back into pubs, you know, when, when lockdown was starting to wear a bit thin. I think, um, I think events slightly overtook 
overtook Project Pint in that they announced the end of lockdown or the easing of lockdown rather and pubs reopening. Um, so I'm not sure it quite um, went as big as, as, as Charlie and, and everyone else thought it might, but it was a kind of, you know, well-intentioned campaign, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wendy's coming over from this. Yeah, uh, Winger, help me out. I mean, when they seem to have been coming out, coming over and then not, and then coming over and not. Well, and they, 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 were obviously, they were obviously over in 2000 and didn't make a very good play of it. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, about 11 sites, I think, at that point, before my time. But, um, and then they announced end of last year they were going to use the UK as a beachhead to go into Europe. And, on, you know, timing-wise, obviously not this year when they thought they were going to do it, but timing-wise in terms of picking up property yeah. over the next six months to a year, they probably have timed it, um, timed it well. They reckon they're going to start early next year and they've submitted plans to a site in Reading. And they're currently building their operational team. And, and Wendy's is a square burger, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not just the burger. I mean, that's what they're known for. But yeah, it's it's. I think it's the third largest chain in the US. It used to be on Oxford Street, didn't they, in London? Yeah, they had big leases. As per normal, US operation comes over, takes big leases. More burgers, obviously, came and went. More is, American, is American uh, brands coming over still a thing? We need it in an out burger, don't we, I think? I think... I think Funny enough, it's seven years this week since Five Guys launched. But yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the successful ones, but you look more successful ones recently, but, you know, Sweet Chick, that went into liquidation. That's okay. now not going to reopen. Yeah. Warburgers was in trouble before this happened. They're not going to reopen. Did you see that they did a special on Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway? They had prime time like ITV, and I think it was already around the time it was closing. Well, they were on that. They denied it, but they were on the market before all this kicked off because yeah. they ridiculous rent and uh they were never going to reopen but there's other there's other ones I, i'm hearing two or three international guys who came over in the last year and they're looking to get out of the lease or will not reopen again who's that Mark? i couldn't possibly say okay you'll read it and propel i guess and then uh, everyone's doing chicken so pizza express mac and wings uh honest chicken chicks and sours are Going nuts about it. Just going. Is everyone doing chicken now? What's the score? So what's what's happening with all that? Well, I think actually the ones you should go for slim chickens. I think it's been, you know, people say it's really good. I've not been yet, but the most successful franchises in the US by a mile. And Wingstop. Yeah, I really I really like Thunderbird, but it doesn't seem to have caught fire in terms of you know sales and and growth. Uh, Wing Shack seems to be doing great things. Is it Wing Shack, the East London Wing, business? Wingstop. Wingstop, sorry, Wingstop. Wing, Wingstop is, yeah. I think, I think from what I hear, they've got a few more sites lined up. They did the thing with Xbox. You know, you come in, you have to have a meal, then get to play on the new Xbox stuff, which is a great tie-up. I would uh, put money into Orange Buffalo. They're in Shoreditch, Brick Lane, Park Park. Well, the, the other one, Mark, yeah. we haven't talked about, which is obviously come and gone now, is Chick-fil-A. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? That's sad in a way, right? Because I've got a good friend who was the witness at our wedding in Vegas, right? She's from Chicago, and she used to talk about it all the time. A, said it was very good, and B, see when they did their openings, you could win a car, right? So, or you'd get free chicken for life, and people would. It became this cult thing that people would do extreme things to win this stuff. So the the game with the car was. You know you've got a hand on the car and you can't take it off. Yeah. 
and it's the last person standing gets the car plus all the chicken and all the rest of it. But then you go to one finger, and then of course you need the toilet. And you know what do you do? You know. So um, yeah, all that. But so Chick Fil A was that. Sort of and they run into trouble with um, some interesting views on certain well, things. They, they, I don't know if it's historical, they still do it, but they, they were giving, um, obviously donating money to um, to foundations or charities that had obviously certain views yeah. um, about... Uh, Isn't it kind of anti-diversity or anti lesbian Against gay and lesbian and stuff like that. I think they actually rode back on that before they closed their site in the UK. Yeah, well, I mean, I think... Hugh Richard Wright, who I, I completely love the bitch, you know, I think he said it in his tweet, just said good riddance. And I'd say the same, it's just like, just what are people thinking? When they're yeah, exactly. What planet are you on? Well, the, the phone, it was the founders' religious beliefs, wasn't it? They wouldn't open on a Sunday. So it was religious beliefs, they didn't open on a Sunday, so it all came, I'd imagine, all from that. I, you know, actually, I think they're actually, because they've started to roll back on that and they don't give money to those uh, charities or foundations anymore. I think the UK six months or a year, it was only going to be a year lease anyway. Yeah. Whether they got out six months or a year, I think it was more of a kind of... Testing the water. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll be back. I, I think it will be long remembered though, so we need to, we need to watch what they do. So I mean, these, com- these companies are just so poorly advised, aren't they? It's just, it's just mind-boggling the way... I guess it's why you need local advisors to go... Like, yeah. You know, it might be all right in Texas, but, you know... Um, so yeah, and then so we got into the sad business of some closures, right? So, Ledbury, um, there was a couple of restaurants in Mayfair, I think maybe one Indian one, I can't remember the name of it. I'm sorry, I can't um, believe the Ledbury is, is has closed. Yeah, it's and just, and I think I fear that won't be the last. Well, look, look at Priest behind the Ritz, obviously, they're looking for a new location. And then, we'll although the rumor is it's the guys who bought the Bought the Ritz have actually bought that as well. And then you've got Pure Jocelyn, yes, yeah. the pub company as well. That that was the one that had home for me. I'm obviously upset about the rest of them, but just because you know our, it's completely in our wheelhouse in terms of our, it's in our gang. And it's just like, you know, that that one, that one's stung. And you know, she'll come back and it'll be fine. But yeah, that, that was a tough one. Yeah, and I think I think she will be fine, and I'm sure she will she will come back. But it's that sort of thing where you go, ah, oh, like you say, it's a bit of a wake up call. Where you think, well, okay, it was Charlie Brooker in France, right? You know, it was a bit like, whoa, okay, this is real, real. Um, I think from what from what the biggest wake up call, if if anybody needed a wake up call, has been Pret. I think you know when the Pret news came out that they were talking about restructuring and and talking to advisors. I talked to a few people and they said that week, if people weren't talking to advisors, almost the phone was off the hook. Yeah. Like if, you know, if it can happen to Pret, which let's be honest, an absolute sector standout, an absolute brand admired across the board by everybody in our sector. But they are in the, the eye of a perfect storm. They're in locations where their bread and butter, so to speak, you know, the city, lunchtime trade, breakfast trade, commuters, uh, office workers, yeah. You know, and the majority of their sites are in central London. They're not coming back quickly anytime soon. And who, who would have thought that footfall in business di- districts would collapse in the way that it has, which is basically the lion's share of their business or, or in tourist areas or, you know, central well, not, London? 
Well, not JB Holdings, who paid 1.6 billion or whatever it was, you know, 18 months ago for that business. I think the thing about it is it will recover and it will be a great business again, but it's just what they what sites they can't carry and But I think me as a consumer, right? You're sitting going, Well they've got JB Holdings, that's fine, they'll just blank roll it till it's okay. And obviously not. And poor Pano as well, like, you know, almost his first shift, his first big thing is this, and it's like, come on, you know, terrible luck. Um but yeah, I did see on Twitter, and this is not meant to be funny at all, but it did just make me smile a bit, where someone said, I heard Pretter closing 30 sites. Which street in London is that? You know, so, it just was like, oh, all right, maybe. But, but, you know, it did seem like that. But, but I think when you look at it all, if Pretter have an advisor and they're shaving off and all this, I know firsthand how hard that team works and, and what they do and what they deliver. So, yeah, it's, it's just a real shame. But then you're looking at them, Pivot and Hobo, and all that stuff, and they're going dinners now. Um, you know, dinners at Pret. We've got a lot of, you know, delivery. They've got the, the office, contactless office drop. Um, so I think, as we were talking about through this, I think things that might have taken three years to evolve, and, you know, I think Will at Deliveroo said this, you know, consumer adoption, but all of these things is fast forwarded times ten. Well, I think I think Mark Mark going back to I completely agree. But go, going back to Pret, it's one of those things in that whole market, that food to go, that grab and go market. It's like someone said to me, it's like driving a Porsche, like driving a really high powered car. Unless you're driving it full pelt, it doesn't work. If yeah. you stop slowing down a Porsche, it gets clunky. So if you now go to a Pret where you're they're trying to do dining again now. The whole experience is clunky. You know, the whole experience of going to Pratt, that buzz has gone. And that's, you know, that's that's the problem they're going to have to work around. I mean, yeah. I went to a, a city in Pratt on um, on Tuesday and you go in and you don't get, you get the normal cup you get to take away and you go and sit on the table. On the table, there is a laminated sign for the trace and track. We have to do a QR code. And you're watching everything and they've got all the, um, I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but all the furniture they're not using is stacked up against the wall. And you're and everyone's there who sat there is almost like sat there drinking quicker, going. I go This doesn't you feel. Know, yeah, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel comfortable. It, it's and you know that's that's that thing that this this is a model that needs to be going at you know fast at speed, and as soon as you start putting brakes on it, it just break. It just doesn't work. It doesn't feel like it should be. It that yeah, and interestingly, um, without wanting to go off at a tangent. I get the sense that when people go into pubs, I know it's early days, but people go into pubs and there's someone welcoming them, taking their details, offering sanitizer, directing them to their table, and a whole load of stuff that wasn't there before. And my impression of that is people are like, thank you, this is great. I, I have confidence. Yeah. I can relax. You're, you've got this, so I'm, I'm okay with it. And I was also chatting to Wireless Social um, today and they were saying which i thought was really interesting and they don't they don't really want to talk it up because they don't think it's the right message but their opt-in rates for marketing as part of track and trace uh plus 90 percent. okay so it sort of suggests which is off the scale and unheard of and a real change in guest behavior but it completely suggests people want to be communicated with oh, they, they want and they want to be okay. talked talked to about what is what is going on and how pubs are operating so just thought 
it, it's a really interesting juxtaposition because people are going into prep thinking this doesn't feel quite right yeah. and what I'm used to. But I get the impression people are going, yeah, it's edgy. But I get the impression people are going into pubs and going, oh, okay, you've got this. I, I can relax. I, I think you're right. And so there's a couple of bits to that. One is um, that whole furniture furniture being stacked up and they say, it's kind of like the end of the nightclub thing. And yeah. you shouldn't be there. You know, it's, you know, it's not great. Second thing is, the interesting thing about pubs, right, and, and this has been said a lot on Twitter, and, and I didn't even really think about it, which was, you don't get a licence for fun. You have yeah. to bloody hard to get yeah. a licence. And it's always front of mind to protect it, and it's kind of like your right to operate, isn't it? And, and with any, and you know, I'm annoyed that I, the police use this already, but anything that goes out, to, to, to market, I felt like the whole brief for any campaign to say it's safe would be to protect himself. I mean, that's pretty much it, right? In a nutshell, that's your brief, right? But annoyingly, LAPD's got it a while. But um, but that's kind of where it's at. Now, the downside is two things. So I went to a proper pub rather than the micro pub uh, for a quick pint before I was going to meet the lads on, on Tuesday. An empty beer garden, sun was shining, you know, iPod on magic. Got a pint of Heineken, lovely. And then, but what happened was I went in and they gave me, they gave they said, can you sign in? I was like, yeah, all right. And I just wasn't really thinking. I was like, oh, yeah, all right. One back, right. There's a global pandemic going on. Don't give me one pen. You know, at least give me a pot of pens that's some kind of Russian roulette. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, come on. So there was that. And also, tip for operators, Put some hand sanitizer in your bobs. Don't just give me soap. Completely. And um, we were we happened to be in a in a really nice steak restaurant the other day. Um, first meal out of lockdown. There's no sanitizer before you go into the loo, in the loo, and it's like, well, actually, this is a common surface. We're touching the doors yeah. and everything else. Please give me some sanitizer well, before I go in. After I come out. It's sort of annoying because you've also... So I said to the landlord the particular pub, and I said, you might want to get some hand sanitizer in there. Soap's better. And I'm like, look, I'm the customer. I'm telling you. And I understand all that. But, but also, Symbolically, you need to have hand sanitizer. And also, you're right, though, because once you've done the hand bit, you still have to touch the lock, touch the door, and all that, so there's something needs to be thought around that, I guess. But, 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 yeah. but Mark, there's also talking to a lot of people, it's that theatre of safety. It's it's you know, when Mark says there's someone there to come and see you, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. theatre, it's that it's that reassurance. I'm talking to uh, Kevin Charity from Coaching In Group um, yeah. this week, Kevin's a good lad, and, he, and he was saying that uh, he had a couple, he was obviously going around his sites, they opened the majority, uh, reopened the majority on Saturday, and he was going around his sites, and there's, he saw this couple come in. And look around and then walk out again and then they came back in about 20 minutes later and he thought i better go over and see what happened there and they'd gone down to a pub down the road from their, their pub and he said oh why did you come back so they, they didn't have the setup you had in terms of safety we came in and we didn't see any of their procedures we didn't see any markings up we didn't see any sanitizer we came in here and it was it was all you know everything was there you could see you'd done stuff you could see you put you know, screens up or whatever, there was sanitizer, there was someone here to welcome us. And we thought, oh, you know, we'll just see what else is down the road because maybe we didn't want to try this. But then they came back because of that theatre of, of safety I was talking about. 
So I'm thinking about time as well because I think well, you need to go and do bedtime and stuff, do you? I uh, you know, I need to go to bed at eight. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, you got one minute. Well, yeah. just before that, a couple of things. So I would say a uh, kudos to the following people: Inception Group, uh, and also Albert Schloss for just some fun. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I was I I did a Brewdog, I hosted a Brewdog webinar and and um, you know Albert Stoss team were on and that so that was great to chat to them and we were talking and, and with Inception Group and with Albert Stoss they reminded me it was okay to have fun and I was like first thing Albert Stoss was open for takeaway beers and bakery and this and that so how did they do it did they open their doors did they have a pitcher of bread. No, they had two stunning dancers on stilts with an all-day DJ, socially distanced, out in the street at Deansgate. And, and it just made me smile, grin from ear to ear. I just thought, yes, like, just amazing. And, like, for Neil, who I interviewed, and, and the team, I just thought, this is brilliant. You know, just... And also, they had their, their messaging of we're opening... And he had a circus performer, amazing lady, circus performer, and she was a ringmaster. And she went, "The beer hall is awakening." You know, and it was this real sort of teaser thing, and and they probably followed their marketing team. They've done this, and that, and you just thought, "This is brilliant, right?" And then on top of that, you've got um, Inception with our mannequins, their <laughs> keepers, their wartime SES masks, that. And it reminded me just to have fun again. Everything just got too practical, too clinical, and there's a way to do it, but be yourself as well. I think it's so impressive because I think everyone in the sector, almost without exception, has got worries and they've got stresses. And I think leaders of these companies have been pulled in different directions like never before. But the really good ones, like especially the two, including BrewDog 3 you've just mentioned, they haven't taken their eye off operating and remembering what they're about and what the guest needs to see and feel. Yeah. And I think that's so important. It's made me so happy. Um, so quick aside before we do what Mark's talking about. So there was a couple of things I wanted to cover. Friday's new logo. Discuss. Terrible. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think, so I've just been doing this MBA thing and it talks about brand codes. Friday's brand codes are diagonal red and white stripes. Your name is TGI Fridays. It comes from an American place that in the UK, I'm just struggling. to. I can understand. They've, they've tweaked the brand codes. I haven't changed them completely. But now they're in a land where they're up against KFC. They've also created this English burger with Branston Pickle. It just reeks of it reeks of um, muddled thinking, doesn't it? And I don't want to put the boot into anyone, but you just look at it and go, "That yeah, I'm I'm a bit concerned." Yeah, I'd be interested. I liked it. <laughs> okay. Louis in the corner. Um, and then uh, Bill's new look, new logo, a completely different sort of Dishuman spire. I was going to say it looks very Dishuman-esque. I don't think they would think that's a bad thing. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. I, you've worked on that brand, Mark. I know, and I just, I just, I still don't think, I don't think you still haven't nailed it, really. 
I mean, you know, I, 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 I'll be interested to see how Bills does over the next few months. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, I think it's basically going to be a more accessible Ivy. Really, it's destined for that. I think, and I think it, you know, times that with it being a more accessible, uh, or sorry, a British coat. Do you, do you not? Do you not? Do you not think the colouring? The, the, the colours they've used puts it even more closer to the ivy now. Yeah, it does. Whereas actually what Kering had been saying was they're two separate things and we shouldn't see them together. If oh, anything, the colouring is, is bodied the water slowly. Oh, nothing well. like each other, are they, as far as the consumer is concerned? No. And no. I just think it was starting to get somewhere and I'm not sure what they've done lately makes it better. I was always team green goes on green, if that makes sense. Um, but it went orange, and then eventually I started to kind of quite like the orange, and I wasn't Same. quite liked the logo refresh, and we were told, you know, our, our logo change was, was off the table. I think the the logo, the sort of Miami Vice-style logo that happened in Soho was a little bit off. Um, but this new one, yeah, I mean, it seems very disheartened, but it's almost went with Harrods colours, and... It's going to be an extension, I think, of the Ivy brand, really. Um, so it's, it, I think it's, you know, it's lost a lot of its roots. I think it hopefully will deliver on the seasonal experience side of things, which I think it's always been famous for. Um, but we'll just need to wait and see. And I've just got my, my discount card over. Also, I think you know we talked about um, we talked about restructuring and people you know, being out in the public eye, restructuring and 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 losing some of their sites. I think we'll also see people when on this reopening strategy people are on, there will be people who quietly won't reopen everything. Yeah. Oh, do you, do you know what's yeah. interesting? Just going back a bit, and I'm sorry to cover old ground, but see when I worked with uh, Robin at your Robin very proudly talked all the time about never closing a site. And there may have been some closures that, you know, but never closing a site. But I think it's just acceptable now, and I think it's, You've got to be fluid. You know, I think I think customers accept that as well. I think people talk about Mark, people talk about marginal sites still. And it's like it's marginal site, get rid. And yeah. also if you're not if you're running a brand in the long term and you're not closing sites, you're not doing your job properly. I'm going forward. I think also. I think one thing for me before we end is that something we haven't talked about is we're gonna see some restaurant companies changing hands for, for record uh values in terms of record low values yeah. and i think some of this is a bit close to home but i think there's um there's a few restaurant companies that clearly have a, a huge challenge ahead of them but their backers are kind of walking away and just going actually this is this is too difficult um because to get through the next six to 12 months they're going to have to put 20 25 30 million pounds in to, to get them through and um, I think a few of them just aren't prepared to take that risk yeah. and we're going to see restaurant companies changing hands for you know one one times EBITDA plus that working capital or, or something of that order so um, a couple of things then this week it's Super Saturday terrible name and I was really angry actually about the media do you know what I mean the most the media mainstream media calling it Super Saturday and saying this which has been dubbed and it's like you dubbed it what yeah <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, the worst yeah, thing, classic. 
Well, the last thing was they were all waiting, weren't they? I think I, I said on the Friday before they were, they were all waiting for something to go wrong. They were all waiting for people to stumble out of pubs and, and to pin the blame. And even you know, it's Super Saturday on Saturday, and then on the on the Monday morning you had the Daily Mail's headline was Suicide Sunday. You know, really? yeah, yeah, again, and looking at people oh. in pubs and stuff like that. They were waiting. They were they could not wait for something to go wrong. The Sun Online had something, didn't they, where it was they just had taken a narrowly cropped picture, and you know, trying to try to paint the worst picture. Well, it was it was, it, it was nice to see some some police forces coming out and saying thanks yeah. to it. Like I think Birmingham was was the one that sticks out in my mind, saying you know thanks to everyone that came out last night. No trouble. Yeah. It, it was great. And it's interesting, I think, because uh, it was three pubs. Everyone's talking about the three pubs that have closed because of. It wasn't actually the fact that, that it was people who had come to the pubs with coronavirus and then either got tested or one of them was actually yeah. waiting for a test result and still went out. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. And, and also, I think we have to say as an industry, yes, three pubs have closed and that shows that Track and Trace is doing its job yeah. and actually we're here yeah. to support public health and we so, are going to close if we have to. Yeah. Simon Emily made that point last night on uh, Peston or Peston show, and he said because Peston brought it up, and, and Simon brilliantly as always said, "Yeah, three pubs out of what eighteen thousand? So that's that. Right. Last couple of things. Then um, Mitch Tonk's amazing video for the reassurance and opening of Rockfish, and if you haven't seen it, yeah. go and watch it. It's about three minutes. It's long, but oh my god, is it? I don't know Mitch. I don't know anything about Mitch. I know David uh, Strauss." Showcases showcases an amazing coastal city. But the video was unbelievably like the best video I've seen. I haven't seen it. I'm going to have to go oh, watch it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's Plymouth Rockfish, which has got an amazing outside area anyway, right next to the aquarium. But he takes you through all the stuff they've done, just point by point. It is about three minutes long, but it's it's brilliantly done. He's a electric guy, you know, like magnetic guy. You want to you want to go for a pint. Second thing is, um, today they had a massive flood in one of their venues. So basically a water main burst and it's flooded, and I'm talking up to your ankles or more, the entire restaurant about to open today. Oh. And you think, what shitty luck. But he was great. So he came on to Twitter and he says, we go forward, these things are meant to try us, blah, blah, blah. And you thought, what a guy. It's, what? A, lovely, it's a lovely business. He's great. I, I, I thought a lot of him. Right, so this week... Um, well, we've obviously, yesterday, got the uh, 5% VAT. Is that... Uh, we've also got the ETAC to help out. Maybe not the best uh, expression. <laughs> uh, going forward for the vouchers. And we've also got a slight extension or incentive to keep people on who've been on the job retention scheme um, at the end of the year. Generally, I think most of these things, when they come out, you see the top-line headlines, you think that's great. you know, And then you, look, you kind of work your way back and say... Yeah, Maybe that doesn't work. Maybe we need longer on the VAT. I think if you just concentrate on the VAT one, I think it's great. I think it's positive. I also think the vouchers are positive in trying to get a bit of confidence, trying to get people back out there, especially Monday to Wednesdays when we all know traditionally that's not a great time for the industry. Um, And everyone's gone, oh, the VAT cut is not long enough. It's not, you know, six months isn't long enough. I think the genie's out of the bottle there. I think think, um, he will probably come around to January and think, you know what? It's still tough out there. I cannot then put BAT up. It's been my entire market life for restaurants and pubs to try and make a Monday to Wednesday busy normally. Should you just have put the foot on the gas you know, for the whole week? Or 
you know, I think, you know, it's one of these things. Classic brief is I want to be busy and uh Tuesday afternoon, everybody's at work. Yeah, but, you know, I think we could have opened the throttle a wee bit more because if the government's going to pay it anyway, then would you not be better maxing it out there and then bringing it back? Because I don't know if it's going to be maxed every weekend. I don't know, like Thursday nights. Is Thursday nights really going to I be don't, really? I don't. I don't think it is, but I think um, the Monday to Wednesday gives people a chance to open. I think we have to... I know, I know it's really difficult because for, for people that were were watching the Chancellor up on his feet yesterday who aren't going to benefit from what he announced, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it won't let folks... Yeah, but I think if we step back and go, actually, the thing that he was talking about was hospitality and tourism. And that's the sector that's got 5% discount on VAT. Yes, not on drink, but I think politically it would be incredibly difficult for a chancellor to stand up. On well, 50% discount, isn't it? Sorry, on VAT, yeah. But it'd be incredibly diff- difficult for a, for a chancellor to stand up and, and give a 15% VAT discount on booze. You're right. I wish I wish he had I wish he had, but I can understand why he didn't. You can't. You can't. And, and then the meals, the meals thing. Help out, right? You get yeah, and and it's not it's not the best slogan, but you know, come on, guys, this this is this is material. And like Mark says, I think come January when you know he's given six months on that VAT discount. Come January when things are probably going to still be quite challenging it's going to be very difficult for the Chancellor then to, to kind of put that genie back in the bottle and put things back up to 20%. So I think we've got a chance of that being not just six months, but a year or, or whatever. And, you know, we, the biggest thing is getting consumer confidence. The biggest thing is getting people on public transport back into city centres. That, that is, is huge. <clears throat> and the other thing that Kate was saying yesterday was, Yes, the, you know, the campaign continues. Obviously, you know, wet-led pubs and, and clubs aren't, aren't going to benefit from this, but we're not going to stop campaigning. And it is a bit of a continual process of education of the government and of various departments. And I think Rishi, when he stood up yesterday, said, I know this is not the last time I'm going to be here and it's not the last time I'm going to be giving, you know, concessions or talking about what we're doing to support the economy. Just to wrap up then, What's your hopes for the next uh, six months? And obviously, we'll we'll speak again November, December. I hope we get some more help. Obviously, different parts of the sector that Stretz has just mentioned. I hope the stuff that uh, Rishi Sunak has put in play brings consumer confidence. And I just hope that we see our city centres start bringing back to life. Um, for me, I think it's just let's try and get the track and trace working as best we can. We've got a real opportunity as hospitality sector to support public health. And please, let's avoid a secondary large-scale lockdown. I think that's so important. And if we can just can see this easing of lockdown continue, I think they've announced that gyms and swimming pools and various other things are going to reopen. If we can just see this easing of lockdown continue, then that would be massive. Okay. What about you, Mark? What are you going to well, hope for? I mean, I, I, I just would like to see back to normality. And I think... I'd like to see it move up to 60-70% trading. I'd like to see as many people as possible just staying there. I think we need to see major city office action. We have to see it. Um, because other than that, you know, the, the main brands that we love are going to go. So what have you learned in lockdown? Uh, homeschooling, I've, I've hated. I've learned I'm not very good at it. 
uh, no patience. Um, I also learned how much I miss socialising with people I know in the industry. Okay. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think I'm, I'm determined in the next few weeks to have some real-life meetings and to get out and have a few meals with people and a few drinks with people and do it sensibly, but I feel like I'm all, almost obliged to do that. In terms of what else I've learned, I think spending time with the family has been really nice. Um, I think it's quite hard to have a full-on day and then suddenly be in a family meal at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock. Yeah, the commute, yeah, doing the walk around the blocks really important. Um, but it's been a valuable time, I think. I think it's not universally negative. I think there's been a lot of positives around appreciating family time, trying to do a bit more exercise. Yeah, a bit of contemplation. That's cool. What about you? I, I, I think spending time with the family has been ace. I mean, getting to know Molly, really, because I'm usually away. Like, since she's been a kid, I've been away all the time. Uh, mm. I'm away five days a week. Mm. So, spending time with her has been ace. I, I figured out I'm never going to be a jogger, really. <laughs> I just yeah. I'm, like, I'm never going to be that. I'm to say, boys, if I don't go, I'm not going to be married. So, okay. um, uh, yeah, so I'll see you soon. Take care. Good night. Um, Good as ever, Mark. Peace. See you later. So there you have it. Thanks so much for listening and telling all of your friends about the podcast. We're seeing those listening numbers go up and up and up every single week. Thanks so much for writing into us every week and rating, reviewing, subscribing and sharing. We really, really couldn't do this without you. A huge thanks also to our headline sponsor, Engage Interactive, for anything that you need digitally, whether that's SEO, websites, PPC, apps, CRM, emails, any of that stuff, please get in touch with Alex at Engage and he will definitely help you out. Thanks also to our headline sponsors, BDO, who've been with us since day one, supporting us all the way through. Again, if you have any financial needs, financial queries, you need some help with your financial strategy, your mergers and acquisitions, or building your business even bigger, please get in touch with Peter at bdo.co.uk and he will help you out. Check out Peter Hemington. Him and the team will help you out toot sweet. So a huge thanks to Gaz and Gabby for putting the podcast together. I know it's a lot of work every week, but hopefully it's really, really worth it. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks for listening. And I really hope that this episode has given you so much value that it will help your brand boom. Boom.